Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, we've been looking at the whole issue of the Holy Spirit. I've called him the forgotten one, because for basically for all of us in our lives, we can go literally weeks, months, even years without acknowledging his presence and his work in our life. And so he is the forgotten one, but he's the most important thing in your life, period, since Jesus going to the cross. Because do you understand, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you're talking about God himself. And when you became a believer, he came into your life. And there is something profound and tremendous about what he wants to do in your life. And so that's what we've been looking at. So today we're going to talk about being led by the Spirit. Now what does that mean? We've heard a lot of that. Maybe you've been in church or maybe you've been in some, some different, different churches where you've heard the whole issue of being led by the Spirit. You've even heard people talk about, oh, I'm led by the Spirit. What does that mean? Last week we talked about how important it was for you to be led by the Spirit rather than doing what your body wants you to do. This week we're going to talk about the whole issue of why you need to allow God to have control through the Holy Spirit and to allow Him to guide your life. So we're going to look, continue on in Romans 8 where the Apostle tells us and talks to us about being led by the Spirit. So look with me. We're going to look at verses 12 through 17. And then we're going to look at verses 26 and 28. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. And if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Look over at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, folks, we're basically going to divide these two sections of verses into three three parts in our message here today. We're going to talk about being debtors. Now, does anybody understand what a debtor is? That's when you owe somebody something. If you have a mortgage, which most of us have a mortgage or something, you are a debtor. If you have a credit card, you are a debtor. If you owe somebody 20 bucks because you borrowed it and went out to eat, you're a debtor. Then we're going to talk about what it says about being the sons of God. And then we're going to look at verse 26 and 28 and talk about him being our helper. So let's look at today. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be led by the Spirit. Why that's so important for you and I to grasp that. Okay. So first of all, he tells us in verse 12 
that we are indebted to Jesus. You and I are indebted to Jesus. Notice with me verse 12. He says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. So he's calling you a debtor, but he's saying it's not to your bodies. It's not to, to the cravings of your body and what your body wants. So you say, okay, wait a minute now. He's saying you and I, we're not debtors to our flesh. Well, who are we indebted to? You're indebted to Jesus. That's the implication of the verse here. Is that you're not, in, you're not indebted to your body which wants to do whatever it wants to do, which, which craves those candy bars, which craves those cheeseburgers at McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? Which craves that coffee in the morning. It's got to be from Sheets, I know. It's the only pure coffee, right? Or maybe you're a Dunkin' Donut man. You know what I'm saying? If you, you're, you're craving your coffee. If you're, not gonna be, you're not enslaved to your body is what he's saying. You're enslaved to Jesus. Now you say, what do you mean I'm enslaved to Jesus? Well, remember something now. Paul's got this understanding he wants us to grasp because in the earlier chapters of Romans, he tells us that Jesus Christ paid the price for our what? Redemption. What does it mean, redemption? Well, it's again the same word that's used to talk about buying somebody off of a slave market. You and I used to be slaves to our what? Body. So we're not debtors to our bodies anymore. We're not slaves because Jesus bought us from that. We're indebted to him. He died for us. He gave us a new life. He gave us salvation. He gave us, like, for instance, Titus chapter 2, verse 11 says that this grace has appeared to us and it's taught us how to say what? No to sin and ungodliness. The ability that you have to say no to sin and ungodliness comes because of who? Jesus. We're indebted to him. Think about that. Let me help you grasp it a little bit. Because maybe you're not here and you're not grasping it. You say, I don't, I mean, do I owe him that much? Yeah, you do. Here's, think about it for a moment. Think about when you messed up. Big time. And you carried the guilt and the shame from that. He forgave you. His death on the cross gave you forgiveness. Isn't that awesome? I mean, when you look at it, because we do, we have memories. We're like, you know, talking about elephants have memories. We have memories. And we remember the, the things that we, I mean, we're constantly reminded. And the reality is, is that if you think of that, it's like a big, giant smudge. Do you know what I'm saying? It's kind of like the oil stain in your driveway. Have you tried getting rid of that lately? And you had that old truck that just was leaking. And you got this black smudge in the middle of your perfectly nice driveway. Now, we've gotten used to that, haven't we? But there it is. It's the big black smudge. He removes sin as far from us as the east is from the west. His blood cleansed us so much that he made us whiter than snow. Isn't that awesome? Now, now do you think you're indebted to him? Do you grasp the reality? He forgave you? We're debtors. So as debtors, what is he saying here? We're not enslaved to the leading of our flesh. That's what he's going on here. He says that. Look verse 12. You are debtors, but not to the flesh. Not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Here's what he's saying. You're not enslaved to your flesh to just do whatever your body wants to do. We say, well, George, I give in. Yeah, you give in, but you have the ability... You have 
the ability through Christ to say what? No. To stop. It can be overcome. But some of us need to maybe get a little rough with ourselves and get it back in line, don't we? Because we're not enslaved to the leading of our body. We don't have to live in bondage to whatever our body wants. Because you can get a grip on it. Through the Spirit, you can get a grip on it. In fact, he tells us that. If you go over to Romans 6, he tells us not to yield our members to sin. What does that mean? Well, in, in, in so many words, it's what he's saying is you don't need to allow your body to become participants in sin. You don't have to allow that to happen. So here we are. We're debtors. We're, 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 we're indebted to Jesus. He gave us the salvation. You don't have to be enslaved to what the flesh wants, what the body wants. So, okay, well, then who's going to lead me then? Well, that's what we're talking about, isn't it? We're going to talk about being led by who? The Spirit of God. So look at what he goes on there. He says this, verse 14, look at what he says very clearly now. Look at what he says. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. What's he talking about here? Those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit. If I'm not going to allow, if I've, if I've trusted in Jesus and, and I've trusted in his salvation, he paid the price for me, I am no longer enslaved to my body, but I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to guide me. It's like this. He's saying you're a child of God. You're a child of God. I'm going to be guided by him. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there were some things when you grew up you didn't do because you were from your family. Because if you did them and they found out, you'd be dead. Do you know what I'm saying? Or half dead, wishing you were dead. Do you know what I'm saying? Because you don't do that because you are from their family. This is what he's talking about. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, live like a believer in Jesus Christ. And just like when you were growing up, you were led by the expectations of your dad. We're not talking about being led by expectations. We're talking about the Holy Spirit guiding you. If you're going to be a child of God, you need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in your life. You need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, to guide you in this life. So, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Now, here's what he's going to go on and say now. Look, the next point he makes here, look at what he says here. Verse 14, I think it's pretty profound. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. What's he talking about there? Here's what he's saying. It's not slavery. Because we have in our mind that it's a different type of bondage. You know what I'm talking about? Listen, folks, Paul's making a point here. If you're led by the Spirit, you're a son to God. And he says this, it is not that you are receiving a spirit of bondage which brings fear. What's he saying here? It's not slavery. Can I tell you what it is? You want to write this down? It's actually freedom. Because the Spirit is not going to guide you into silliness. The Spirit is actually going to guide you into what's best for your life. 
you understand what I'm saying? He's not really worried about where you're eating dinner at if you're going to steak night at a place that has a bar attached to it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's not worried about that. He's worried about you becoming who you need to be in Jesus Christ and dealing with the issues in your life that you need to deal with that he constantly is talking to you about. He's not there to enslave you. He's probably not going to send you to Africa. Maybe he might. Somebody. But for most of you, no. You'll never leave Clearfield County. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not slavery. You're a son of God. You're a child of God. You want to be led by him. It's not slavery. Here's what it is, folks. Through the Spirit, here's what he's saying. We have intimacy. Look at what he says there. Look, continue on there. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But here's what he says. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's intimacy, folks. One of the biggest things you're going to struggle with in your life is acceptance. You know what I'm talking about? One of the biggest things you're going to struggle with is whether or not somebody accepts you. How many of you like hanging around with people who don't like you? We want to be accepted. And the reality is, is that if I'm led by the Spirit, here's what he's saying. He's not giving, he's not placing me into a slavery. He's placing me, he's leading me into an intimacy with God. And here's what he says. I think it's interesting. He said, whereby we can go to the Father and say, Abba, Father. Now, you're like, Abba, that was a group in the 70s, wasn't it? Well, here's what it means. It's an intimate term. It's a Greek word. It's an intimate term. The equivalent would be is I can go to God and I can say to him, Daddy. Daddy. How many of you thought about addressing God that way? Daddy. We haven't thought about that, have we? That is an intimate term. What he's saying to us is you're not entering into slavery. You are entering into an intimate relationship with the God of the universe such that you could go to him and say to him in an intimate way, Daddy, I need you. Do you understand what I'm saying? The intimacy of Daddy. You can go to him. Through the Spirit, we have intimacy. We have connection with him. Why do you think it says things like this in Hebrews? That because of Christ, we can now go boldly into the throne room of grace? You have that intimacy with God. Don't you understand what it means to be led by the Spirit now? It's not slavery. It's intimacy with the God of the universe. Now, here's what he does for us. Let's go over now to verse 26. We're going to go to that third, third section now. We've entitled it The Helper. As you are led by the Spirit, here's what the Spirit does for you. We're going to see three things here now. Here's what the Spirit does for you. Look at verse 26. Look at what he says. Very straightforward. You can't miss it. Here's what he says. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our what? Weaknesses. Here's the point. The Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Now, let me ask you a question. If I were to go around to you, and I was going to say, what's your weaknesses? Every one of you 
would know what your weaknesses are, right? It's what you're struggling with. Some of your weaknesses are obvious to other people. Some of them are eternal. You know what they are. Here's the privilege of being led by the Spirit. If I allow the Holy Spirit to lead me in my life, He helps me in my weaknesses. Because He's aware of them. He knows them better than you. He knows what the outcome of them is. He knows the intensity of the struggle that you're going through. He knows everything about them. He knows what caused them, what led up to them. He knows every detail about them. And He will give you the strength to overcome them. Do you understand what I'm saying? The privilege of being led by the Spirit is is I'm being led by somebody who truly understands me. Isn't that an awesome thought? Some of our frustrations in our relationships is, you say, well, they don't understand me. Even after many years of being married. We had a, just yesterday, we were, we were talking about Foster's birthday and trying to decide what we're doing. And I said, oh, yeah, up in the attic, I got this canoe bag. And my wife just starts laughing at me. She says, I've been married to you almost 20 years. I never knew you had a canoe bag upstairs. What else do you have up there? We don't know everything about each other, do we? Do we? You can be married to a person. You don't know them. You don't know their thoughts, even if you have a discussion with them. You think you know them. Yeah, you know more about them now than you did 20 years ago or two weeks ago. But the Holy Spirit knows you, so he knows what your weaknesses are. And the privilege of knowing him is that as the helper, he comes alongside of you and he helps you in your weaknesses. Isn't that awesome? You're not in it alone. You're not in it alone. Here's, Here's the second thing. The Spirit prays for us. Let me spend some time here. For we do not know what we should pray as we ought. For the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Let me just kind of dissect that for you so you help you understand something here. Here's what Paul's saying. You and I don't know how to pray. I'm just going to tell you. Look to your neighbor right now and say, you don't know how to pray. Tell it to your neighbor. You don't know how to pray. Now, some of you are going to be ticked off with that because you say, I'm a prayer warrior. I know how to pray. No, you don't. The Bible says you don't. It's not George saying that's not your neighbor. It's the Bible. you got a problem with the Bible? You don't know how to pray. And some of you know exactly what I mean because as you enter into situations, maybe a crisis happens, and you know that you need to pray, and you, but you don't know how to even pray for what you're going through. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You don't know how to pray about what you're going through. Here's what he's saying. We don't know how to pray, but the Spirit makes intercession for us. The Spirit prays for us. Now, I know that this verse has been used to to justify some manifestations. That's not what he's talking about here. Because notice what he says. Because he makes intercessions with groanings, keep reading, which cannot be uttered. So the Spirit is interceding for us, and we don't know it. We don't hear it. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, folks, you may not realize this, but do you realize that you're being prayed for right now, and it isn't Grandma? Or you hear that all the time, I know I'm being prayed for because my Grandma back home is praying for me. No, it isn't Grandma who's praying for you. 
If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're being prayed for right now. It's the Spirit of God praying for you. Because he knows what to pray for your life. You just need to understand that. You just need to understand that. The Spirit is interceding for you. The Spirit prays for you. That's a privilege. Isn't that awesome? He knows our weaknesses. And isn't it interesting? Right after he talks about he knows our weaknesses, he talks about how he prays for us to the Father. Guess what he's praying about? Your weaknesses. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he's talking to God the Father about what you're struggling with. And you wonder, does anybody care? Well, if the creator of the universe is having a conversation about your weakness, that's pretty awesome, isn't it? I mean, holy moly. Can't get any better than that. Now, do you think I'm going to be led, should be led by him if he's talking to God about what should happen in my life? That isn't, that's not slavery again, folks. That's what? Freedom! But see, he doesn't just pray for our weaknesses, pray for us. Look at what he says. He pray, the Spirit prays for God's will in our lives. The Spirit prays for God's will in our lives. He makes intercession for the saints according, look at the last part of verse 27, according to the will of God. And here's what he talks, says about the will of God. And we know that all things work together for the good, for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. Before I expand this, I need to help some of you understand. Some of you are misusing verse 28. What do you mean? Well, I oftentimes hear people, they'll go through a terrible time, and, they, and, and, and they'll cling to verse 28 as a means of saying that they're going to get through this problem and everything's going to be okay. Because we know that all things work together for the good to those who are called according to his glory. So we're going to get over this, and it's going to be okay. Amen. Wrong. That's a nice verse to cling to, but that is not what it's talking about. Because the good he's talking about is your eternal good. Not the good for the situation that you're facing. Because here's the problem. Some of you have gone through circumstances, somebody told you that, and it didn't get better, it got worse, and it never got better. So is God's word wrong? No. What Paul is talking about here is that the Spirit intercedes that God's will would take place in our life. What's his will ultimately? That we become like Jesus. That we will see the day of redemption and experience salvation in all of its way. And that everything that happens in our life, even the bad, works ultimately for the good later on. That's what he's talking about, is later on. To those who are called according to what? His purpose. So even if it doesn't get better now, it's not that God failed on his promise. God's got an eternal perspective. Our problem is we look at things in a short-term perspective. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that those difficulties and those struggles that are going on in your life, he's using it for a purpose. Now, okay, let's get back to what we're talking about here. So then the Spirit, what he does is he knows what we're going through. He knows the struggles. He knows the difficulties. He knows the hardship, the pain. He knows the junk that we create for ourselves. And he prays that God's will would happen in our lives. That's awesome. In fact, let me, let me free some of you here. One of my teenagers asked me this question a few months ago, and I thought it was a really great question. They said, well, you know, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to do what's right. But what if I make, make the wrong choice? Does that mess it up? And here's the answer. 
Because some of you are sitting here and you're saying, you know, well, you know, I want to be used by God and I want to do this, but I have messed up. How can he use me now? Well, let me just go ahead and say this right now. Write this at the top of your page. God has a will for you. God has a will for your life. Period. Write that down. Here's the next line. You can't mess up what his will is. Let me say it again. You can't mess up what his will is for your life. You say, well, how do you know that, George? Well, I'm talking about God, the eternal being, who exists past, present, and future. He exists outside of time because he created time. So when he talks about having a will for your life and a purpose for your life, he's not just looking at it as in right now. He's looking at a future and past. He's God. He exists. He is the same today, forever, and for always. And here's the thing about God when he makes a plan, because it says interesting things. Like he had a purpose for us before the foundation of the world, the apostle will tell us. Before the foundation of the world. I'm only 47. Boy, the world's a whole lot older than me. So he was thinking about me way back then. Yeah, he had a purpose for you. Can I be honest with you? He exists now, future and past. He had a plan for you. Do you not think that his plan took into account how quirky you were? Do you think his plan did not take into account your mess-ups? Do you think his plan did not take into account your sin? That's an awesome thought, isn't it? So when the Spirit, now let's get back to the discussion. We're talking about the Spirit here, okay? When I'm talking about being led by the Spirit, one of the privileges is that he's praying that God's will for my life would happen. Isn't that awesome? That just blows my mind. So okay. We've got to wrap it up here. What do, we, what, what do we do with this? Who are you indebted to? Are you indebted to Jesus who bought you with his blood, who died on the cross for you, forgave you of your sin? Are you indebted to your body, which leads to death? What do you mean? Think about it. Do you think your body knows that too many calories is wrong? Your mind knows that, but sometimes your mind and your body are disconnected, right? All your body knows is, boy, that tastes good. Or take any other sin. Have you noticed that sin's pleasurable? Have you noticed that? How many of you realize that? Sin is pleasurable. There's a reason why. Because it appeals to what? The body. So I guess the question is, who are you indebted to? First thing. So then recognize the privileges of being led by the Spirit. I mean, think about the privileges. He knows my weaknesses. He prays for me. But he also prays for God's will for my life. Isn't that awesome? That just blows my mind. I'm a child of his. Folks, I just did you a disservice. What do you mean, George? Well, one of the things the Bible teaches us is that we're responsible for what we know. And you've just been instructed. So you're responsible now to do something with it. You've got a decision to make. Who's going to lead your life? Your body and your desires? Or the spirit? 
And here's how the Bible describes that. If you allow the first one to lead you, that's slavery. If you allow the Spirit to lead you, that's intimacy. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.